0: Amen. What a wonderful time in uh, praise and worship. What a wonderful church. God bless you all. Would you give uh, your pastor another round of applause? <laughs> I mean, his wife, Lavette. is such a, uh, a God-honoring experience to get a chance to meet both of you guys and spend time with you guys and now to be at your church. Uh, God is certainly good to all of us. Well, I wanted to, uh, before I get going here, I wanted to uh, at least uh, uh, introduce my wife who who came to accompany me here uh, to Solid Word. Uh, Her name is Dolores Spencer. Dolores, would you stand, please? I'm sorry, stand one more time, please. Turn around. I did that for me <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, we have been married, we have been married uh, come this upcoming August for thirty three years <laughs> thirty three years. And that's just for me. It's 33 years for her to together. We've been married 66 years. <laughs> you know, sometimes marriage is a lot of fun, and sometimes marriage is a lot of work. The Lord certainly knows that. And, uh, but one thing I, I also know is that uh, God has been faithful to us uh, through all these years. We have uh, uh, three children, a son-in-law, and we have uh, uh, three grandchildren as well. I like to tell the story. Uh, that uh, when the first uh, grandchild, you know, children, when they're first learning how to speak, you know, uh, they, uh, they try to pronounce uh, certain types of words. And I remember a guy from our previous church says, okay, uh, you better decide now what your, uh, your grandfather name will be because these children, they will call you anything. <laughs> and I said, okay, all right, so I picked super dad. <laughs> You know, he has another grandfather. He called him Pop Pop or whatever he calls him. That doesn't matter to me. Uh, uh, He calls me Super Dad. But the cool thing is that when he uh, first began to talk, uh, he couldn't quite say Super Dad. You know, he's just babbling all kind of stuff. So he couldn't say Super Dad. And as a matter of fact, believe it or not, when he first uh, started to talk, that he could say Super Dad but could not say Mommy. And my daughter was so mad. She was upset. I don't understand. How is it he's calling you Super Dad? And he can't even say mommy. I said, I, I don't know. What can I say? So anyway, he's he's learning to talk, right? And uh, he can't quite, you know, get all of his syllables straight. So he doesn't call me Super Dad. So what he calls me is Super Bad. I'm like, all right, now say that again. Who am I? Super bad I said who am I super bad? Who am I super bad? <laughs> Call me super bad. I boy. I, I, I really love that <laughs> uh, For as many many years uh, uh, I got to figure out my age and try to figure everything out uh, for about forty five 46 47 years or so uh, I've been a musician most of my life. I was a musician before uh, I became a pastor. And uh, uh, one of the things that uh, I I struggled with uh, as far as calling was the fact that, you know, uh, God, you know, I've been dealing with music for so long. I have degrees in music. I've taught music. I've traveled all over the world. I've done, I actually had an offer uh, one time to join the uh, Saturday Night Live Band in New York City. And, uh, but it was, it happened to be right at that time, right at that time when the Lord called me to the ministry. Wow. And uh, he, uh, basically the Lord says, you can go ahead and do whatever you want to do. But he told me, this is, these are the words he told me, he says, do whatever you want to do, but choose you this day who you will serve. And as I was, I, re- I recall uh, at this time, I was down in, I was down in, I don't know why I'm telling you this story, but here it is. I, I was down in Dallas and I'm struggling with this whole idea of God, you know, uh, it seemed like he's calling me to the ministry and, and, and I have this lifelong career as a musician for which I was very happy. In fact, some of you, I'm sure the vast majority of you have heard some of the work I've done. You just don't realize it was actually me. Uh, but I had this lifelong career in music, and I'm struggling down in Dallas. I went down to this, uh, uh, this Bible thing down in, uh, I, was, uh, I felt led to go to this Bible thing down in Dallas, and Dr. David Jeremiah was speaking. And I was, you know, <clears throat> I had come in, I was in my room, I was just in my room crying, and I was praying, so let me get out of here. Let me, let me go into this conference. So I dragged myself down here, down there to the conference, and it was already in session, right? It was, it was totally full. I opened up the door. I open up the door, and I stand in the back of the room, and I do like this, and David Jeremiah says, if you don't do what God tells you to do, then what good does he have for you on his earth? I'm like, what you talking about? So you know what I did? I left. I left. I left right out. And then finally, so in other words, I I was talking to God again and I'm like, so what you're saying is, is that if I don't do what you want me to do, then I can die. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, this is necessarily uh, uh, something that God will press upon all of us. I'm just saying this is what happened to me, okay, because God, he deals with us in different ways. But sometimes some of us are so hard-headed that it takes a threat from heaven to set you up straight. Because for some strange reason, you just don't want to hear. Regardless of how many rugs have been snatched out from up under you, you still, you still are struggling uh, trying to figure out, is this what God wants you to do? So a message within the message, this has nothing to do with what I'm preaching about, believe it or not, but one thing I'm absolutely certain is that uh, God He's called me as I, when I stepped into the room, it was very clear that the Lord He began to speak to me uh, uh, something that I need to tell you, that he's calling you to repentance. Yeah. That's right. Help mm-hmm. Help God is calling you to repentance through obedience. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to encourage you today, ask God, ask God, what have you been calling me to? Because at the end of the day, if you don't do what God calls you to do, what good does he have for you on this earth? I'm not sure. I'll tell you this one story. I'm not sure if I shared this with the brothers on Friday, but it seemed like maybe I shared this with my cousin yesterday. Uh, but I had a, a brother that uh, I had uh, um, uh, many, many years ago, and i was still living at my mother's house. It was a Thanksgiving day, and uh, you know what happens on Thanksgiving. And uh, so he was inebriated, and my mother instructed me to take him home. So I, you know, I said, okay, I'll take him home. We're driving in the car. I am like, I just can't wait to get him out of the car because, you know, I, I don't drink, and I didn't drink. You know, that wasn't my thing. And, uh, but he's just talking all kind of nonsense. So in this inebriated state, he tells me just out of nowhere, he says, you know what? Uh, when I get 50 years old, I'm going back to church. I'm like, a drunk person talking about church? That just goes to show you what was really on his mind. In the back, I mean, how did this come? I I didn't bring up church thing because I didn't want to go to church. Hmm. He brought it up. And um, I'm like, oh, okay. He just talking, you know, right now I got stuff to do. I'm like, okay, whatever, right? He was 33 years old. He did not live to see his 34th birthday. God's calling you to repentance. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much uh, for this opportunity that we have before ourselves today. Uh, We've come to hear your word. We've come to be in your presence, Lord, because at the end of the day, if we know all your words and don't have your presence, Lord God, what exactly do we have? Nothing except a big head. Uh, Therefore, Lord God, we ask you that you expand the capacity of our hearts, Lord God, uh, that you would uh, be deep inside of it, Lord God, to move us, to encourage us to do your will. Again, Father, we love you. We thank you today for all the things that you're doing in our midst, Lord God. And may your spirit have its way, Lord God. We love you. We thank you. And we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? Amen. I'm so depressed. And I can't... Get any dates. This is what a uh, 300 pound man told his pastor. He said, I've tried everything to lose weight. Then the pastor said, uh, Well, son, I think uh, that I can help you. He so, tomorrow morning at eight o'clock in the morning, I want you to be dressed and I want you to meet me at my office. Next morning at the office, a beautiful woman in a skin-tight dress exercise suit, Uh, she knocks on the man's door. Beautiful woman. And she tells him, if you can catch me, you can have me. So she took off running, as you can possibly imagine. So he's huffing and puffing, right, you know, trying, to, but, but, but at least he's trying, right? No success on the first day. Next day, she knocks on the door, same story. He's huffing and puffing, out of breath, uh, uh, but uh, uh, weeks pass, a month pass, now he's getting a little quicker, right? He's getting a little quicker, and now he sees that there's a possibility, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and one day, he's uh, going to catch this woman. Uh, The next day comes, he's running, and he almost grabs her, but he doesn't. Mm. So then he says, after about a year or so, tomorrow, I'm going to get her. The next morning comes, 8 o'clock in the morning comes, there's a knock on his door, a 300- pound woman shows up and says the pastor told me that if I can catch you I can have you exactly what motivates us to do what needs to get done. There is no question about it that uh, one thing that motivates us to move forward is the desire to have what we really, really want. For the 300-pound man, it was that beautiful woman in that uh, skin-tight exercise suit. Some people, their motivation... It's often materialistic in nature. And for others, it is simply a desire for a better life. You want to be able to stop struggling. You just want, oh God, I just want some breathing room or change. Just as, you know, The pressure is always there. But no matter how hard you struggle, how hard you try, Seem like you're not making any progress. Maybe you have been chasing an unattainable dream that's always out of reach or well, because it's just so difficult. Or well, there's a voice in your head that says, no one has ever done this before, so why even try it, fool? the massive amount of time it takes for you to accomplish a goal in your life but this is exactly where we're going today I believe that uh, the Lord is telling us that enough is enough aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired When will you forge ahead? So today I want you to walk on this journey with me as we explore God's desire for us and understand our own motivations for doing or not doing what we should do. But let us allow uh, the words of the Lord to speak clearly to us. Would you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Deuteronomy Chapter 1, verse 1. Amen? Amen. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond Jordan in the wilderness in the Arabah opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban and Hazaroth and Dizahab. It is 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment, To them, after he had defeated Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtoreth and in Edriel, beyond the Jordan in the land of Moab, uh, Moses undertook to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey, and go to the hill country of the Amorites, and to all their neighbors in the Arabah, in the hill country, and in the lowland, and in the Negev, and by the sea coast, the land of the Canaanites, and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set before the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to the, your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offsprings after them. Amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You have been stuck at this mountain long enough. You have been stuck at this mountain long enough. In fact, the question is, how long are you going to remain where you are? How long are you going to stay here? The purpose of this message is to realize that obedience in worship is the proper response to the Lord's blessings. Another way of phrasing this question is to ask, How long have you been stuck in the situation you are in, and how long are you planning on staying there? There are some circumstances we are in that we did not think it would turn out that way. I mean, you were trying your best to get things moving along, and something happened along the way. All your plans, all your dreams, They seem to quickly go rushing out of the door like heat during freezing temperatures outside. Others have gotten married and thought, finally, my man, my woman, and then that man or woman turned out not to be exactly what you thought they should be. In fact... If you could hit backspace or the delete key, (laughs) you wouldn't just do like I do on the computer, tick, 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 tick. You go, "Eh!" you hold that button down. But you didn't, and you can't change the situation because you feel stuck. In our scripture, it was a trying time for the Israelites. They had just come out of Egypt and were sitting at Horeb, Mount Horeb. Uh, You may know Mount Horeb as Mount Sinai. And they were awaiting instructions from Moses. And while Moses was on the mountain, their only responsibility was uh, sit back patiently and and, and wait on Moses to come down. But as you know, uh, that they acted a fool. Right? They begin to settle in and settle in and, and grow comfortable and, and do the things which are not holy. Notice when people start to get comfortable, the environment start to get unholy. Mm, wow. Mainly because you stop thinking about God and you start thinking about other stuff. Look how he's coming up in this church. Look at her, her, this is too short, her, that is too long. You see, making it out of a bad situation doesn't mean you are where God wants you to be. So the idea, uh, even though they were at the mountain, even though they had found their way out of bondage, out of Egypt, that was a success. But the Israelites thought, just because I'm out of bondage, now I am where God wants me to be. But look, just because you get out of your situation, that doesn't mean that you've made it yet. You see, when you stop having a vision, when you stop moving forward, Scripture says that people perish because of a lack of vision. They, they, they can't see forward. You see, God always has something for us to do. It doesn't make a difference whether you are 2 or 92. I remember when we were uh, started our church, planted our church there in Chicago, and my father, who passed away last year at 90, uh, 98 uh, 97 years old, he would have been 98 in August, At 97 years old, uh, even in that gym, and he was like in his 80s or so, uh, but would you believe he was still helping with the chairs? Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. So some people think that, well, I'm too old to do anything. You're wrong. When God calls you, he calls you to death. So if God calls an older person, an older man or older woman, what are you doing? And you're not even close to that. Mm. Some are sitting on their laurels. Uh, Waiting for something to fall out of the sky. So even though at times our main goal is to get out of the woods, to get out of danger. Getting out of harm's way as soon as possible. But again, the question is, now what? What happens next? Is getting out of a bad situation, is that your ultimate goal in life? Our ultimate goal in life should be to do what Jesus wants us to do. The Israelites made it out of Egypt. And now in our passage, uh, they're sitting, uh, uh, after many, uh, many years, sitting now at the mountain of Sinai. You know, one thing about mountains is that they appear big, strong, and immovable. Since mountains are places of strength and security, we do not want to move from its shadow. Psalm 30, verse 7 says, Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. Uh, So even the psalmist is saying uh, that uh, these mountains are strong. Why move from your mountain? Over the many years of human history, many military forces, they set up camp on or near mountains. Why? Because a mountain provides a great point of view in which you can see from all directions from many, many miles away. Thereby, it, therefore, it gives you the advantage in order to prepare for the coming onslaughts of the adversary. But mountains also provide fresh water. And we know uh, there in that area that you couldn't just find fresh water anywhere. So who wants to leave their mountain? Who wants uh, to leave where they are physically, emotionally, and spiritually? Who wants to do that? You see, our mountains, it is a place that we know, a place that we understand, a place that we have grown comfortable with. But did you know that even in a land of plenty, if God does not want you there, that it can be unhealthy? Yes, right. Even when all things are going well, if you're sitting at that mountain, you have everything that you possibly need, do you realize that it can be an unhealthy place? Well, I come to church, and every time I come to church, I just feel dry. It's the choir's fault. It's the pastor's fault. It's this fault. No, it's not. That's your fault. Because uh, even though the pastor and the worship team, they provide an environment for you and you're supposed to be a part of that, your spiritual maturity, you have a role in that. We don't come to church expecting things to happen to us. Come on. Help us. Help us. We come together in fellowship. Yeah. And together, as we pray, as we worship, mm. as we read God's word, as we ingest God's word, then we begin to mature. Right. Then we can be the church that God calls us to be. When we get comfortable, uh, trouble starts because people are not trusting the Lord. They're they're more concerned about uh, the color of the walls. (laughs) I've been to a church before I've experienced it. I've seen this. I was not the senior pastor, but man, that uh, they needed to change the color of the pews. (laughs) Because the pews, they got no it's time to change. So let's update the color scheme, so on and so forth. Some people ready to leave the church. <laughs> At another church, they changed the carpeting. Some people walked in. I was an associate pastor of this church and they tried to get me on, on their side. do said, don't, you don't like this color do you? I said, don't make me no difference because that, that's not God. <laughs> Trying to pull me into their mess. I'm like, I ain't got nothing to do with that. Yeah. Uh-uh. I ain't got it. It's new and it looks better than old. There's no more tape. once So I'm happy. <laughs> don't you know when the carpet gets old, you know, uh, and you know how it is in some churches, they don't, they don't match up with the right tape, right? That's right? You got green carpeting, right? And they put a uh, 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 black uh, duct tape down, you know? <laughs> You see, when we begin to focus on those third tier and fourth tier matters, uh, the main tier, the first tier, it takes a sixth and a seventh tier place, and it gets in the way for the Spirit of God to move. You see, anything or anyone that attempts to be our everything winds up being our nothing. Anyone or anything that attempts to be our everything winds up being our nothing. Here in uh, Numbers chapter 11 verses 4 and 6 through 6, Numbers, Numbers chapter 11 verses 4 through 6. This is the focus of the children of Israel as they're traveling through the wilderness. Because what happens in Deuteronomy here, uh, we see the story uh, beginning in, in chapter 1, but Moses is recounting what was happening in the past. So what I'm doing, I'm taking us back to Numbers just to get a quick snapshot of the mindset of the congregation. Yeah. Those wonderful sheep that Moses was leading. Matter of fact, uh, keep your hand there. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 1. You got to see this. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Uh, beginning in verse 11. Uh, verses 11 and 12. This is Moses' talk. He says, beginning in verse 11, May the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as he has promised you. Verse 12, how can I bear by myself the weight and burden of you and your mess? You hear what Moses said? Mm -hmm. He says, y'all just keep up so much mess. But you know, you got to be a strong man to lead almost one million people Mm. for 40 years. (laughs) (laughs) And guess what, Pastor? Uh, Ain't no going to Hawaii. (laughs) Your Hawaii was was almost a million people. You never get a break. Never, ever. And then Paul Moses, he still didn't get a chance to walk into the promised land. Why? Because of y'all. I mean, because of them. <laughs> Let me get that straight. All right, come on now. Got to keep going. Numbers chapter 11, beginning in verse 4. Now the rabble that was among them, but Moses has some language for this wonderful saints of God. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again, not a crying, crocodile tears, and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. All the cucumbers, all the melons, all the hot links. Oh, God. the onions, and the garlic. But now that we don't have that sweet tea, (laughs) verse 6, our strength is dried up. And there is nothing to look at. You see? Nothing. There is nothing at all but this manner to look at. Create a shrine and you will always remain stuck where you are. We create shrines by continually visiting the past. Now before you think Moving away from Deuteronomy again, the idea that this is what Moses is speaking of in Deuteronomy 1, Deuteronomy 2, 3, 4. He's recounting what has happened in the past. Uh, But now in Numbers 11, 4 through 6, it is uh, uh, using a magnifying glass to look at what had gone on. People create shrines as an object of remembrance or to pay homage to. Sometimes we see these memorials on the side of the road after someone has passed away because we want to see, we want to remember what happened to our loved one. You know, and oftentimes this is good. However, uh, other times our past, it becomes something we're stuck in. It is our shrine. We can't move forward because we remember what so-and-so used to do. Some of you have been hurt so bad by so-and-so that I don't know why you've made a shrine to them. Or we say things like, remember the good old days when brother so-and-so was here? But in some of those cases, remember that when brother so-and-so was here, that he kept us in bondage. You receive a great opportunity in your life, but you can't help but to go back and pay your respects to the past. You know you've created a shrine when someone tells you it's time to move on, but you get mad. Yes, they tell you to tear down the wall and you go ballistic. Can't nobody tell me what to do. That is my my past. And this is one of my favorites. That's my truth. Uh, I I hear you, ladies. That's my truth. I got to say this, because it drives me nuts. If I have a truth, and you have a truth, and you have a truth, there is no truth. There's only one truth. Now, you may have a perspective on that truth but there still is at the end of the day only one truth just like people say well uh, you say that in order to get to god uh, that you must go to jesus and other people say well there's many paths up to the mountain Right, that's what they say. You may say Jesus, someone else may say Muhammad, right? And someone else may say Buddha it may be the way, but Jesus says, I am the way. I, I am the truth. He doesn't say oh, your truth. Oh, okay, you are right. No, no. He says, I'm it. I'm it. It's very interesting that when when Jesus uses these phrases in the New Testament. When he says, I am the way, he says, I am the truth. When he says, I am the door, when he says, I am the bread of life. and When he says, I am the good shepherd, in the original language, he uses this phrase, and he says, ego, a me. Ego, a me. You see, well, what he's saying, he says this for emphasis. Ego means I. I. A me means I am. So why would you say I am? I am, unless you, you are. Uh, (laughs) Jesus says, I, I am it. So Jesus says, I am the truth. Ain't no other path up this mountain, but by me. So these folks, you tell them to tear down their shrines, they go ballistic, just like uh, the Israelites who said in Numbers 11.5, we remember the fish we had in Egypt. Uh, they remember being in Egypt. Uh, uh, what they were really saying was that it was easier being in the predictability of bondage than it was in trusting, the God, trusting God day by day. Come on, Come on. That is it. You know, I, I, I don't want to trust you today because I, I don't know what you're going to do. So therefore, just let me stay in bondage. Remember the slaves when they came out of uh, slavery in, in America? Many, they said, I'm out of here. But some said, what we going to do? So I'm just going to stay here. I mean, you, 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 you can't necessarily fault them. You, you cannot kind of understand because what, what do they have? But the idea is that it's more scarier out there with God Than it is here being in the darkness of bondage. We're saying they remember that fish, but they forgot how they used to smell when they were frying that fish. Smell like fish all in the house, perch. (laughs) They leave the house and their clothes stinking. Oh, they—they they forget that. I ain't cooking. I ain't cooking that perch no more. Cause every time I cook it, stings up the whole house. Oh, they forgot that. See, shrines cause us to disregard God's grace or take His provisions for granted. It's easy to slip into an attitude of apathy and indifference towards the provision of our Lord. But just because we have it today doesn't mean it will be there tomorrow. Remember earlier I said that the Israelites they had manna falling out of the sky to feed them daily, and they uh, did. And, and see, the thing was, you you, you couldn't uh, get your chest or your garbage bag or whatever you used to, your mason jars to store up manna from heaven. You know, since all this falling today, I'm just gonna pack it in. I'm gonna pack it in tight, <laughs> because you pack it in tight when you wake up the next day, it's all molded. What do you think God, don't you think God uh, is, is omnipotent? Right. Yeah. He has enough power to make that manna last. What does manna mean? When they said, is manna fallen? What they were saying, what the word manna mean is, what is it? That's what it means. What, well, what is this? When it fell from the sky, uh, they said, what is this? They said, manna. Manna means, what is this? They said, well, it must be something good, so let's eat it. So they were starving in the wilderness. Yet in the wilderness, they began to despise everything that God had given them. Do you despise God's blessings? Well, I ain't got this, and I ain't got that. Well, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Well, I well, you I'm not like so and so. You're not supposed to be like so and so. Your relationship with God is unique from the person sitting next to you. Even if they're your husband, even if they're your wife, your relationship with God is unique. And I'm not talking about your daughter name unique. <laughs> Who'd ever think that God's provision is not good enough? The Lord, he gives us a nice, comfortable house. It ain't big enough, God. So we buy bigger and get in trouble. There may be dissension in the ranks because some people never want it to change in the first place. I believe, again, that God gave them manna because he wanted them to trust him every single day. Yes. That's what it was about. It wasn't about storing it up. It's that every single day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Today, God is going to provide for us. In Chicago, we uh, started a radio program about uh, two years ago. And, uh, and I had been uh, praying about this. We've been praying about this for years. And actually, I was approached about it for, for many, many years. And uh, I said I, I kept telling him no, it's not time. No, it's not time. Year after year, no, it's not time. And then two years ago, the Lord spoke to me, says, "Yes, it's time." But then when I looked at the bank account, the bank account says, "No, it's not time." <laughs> <laughs> wow. <clears throat> yeah. What do you do? Yeah. I just I, I firmly believe that this was the hand of God at play. Now, I'm not saying this is what you do, because some of you can be very presumptuous, yes. very presumptuous. I just know how God spoke to me, right? How, again, how he speaks to me is differently how he speaks to you. We signed on, on a dotted line. All of a sudden, and some of you think, well, he's up there preaching that prosperity gospel. I'm not doing that either. I'm not into that. i just knowing how God deals with me. All right, so we go and uh, we sign on a dotted line. And from the time that we signed on a dotted line, now two years later, somehow the money showed up. And it's not chump change either, I want you to know. Some of us, we despise God's provision. In other cases, we may be weary from the hills that we have already crossed. Why did the children of Israel have to be reminded they had been at that mountain long enough? If you are constantly in motion, you can become weary from all the activity and not have the energy or the drive to move ahead. Life just beats you down. Fighting for your children, fighting for your job, fighting for your husband, right? Fighting for your wife, fighting for your health. You know, some of you may have to fight for your pension. You're constantly and all. It just wears you down. But God calls us forward. Get unstuck. One of the reasons that some of us don't move is because of fear. Fear can cripple us from taking that next step. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 28. Deuteronomy 1, 28. There's a story uh, in this, again, as uh, Moses is recounting this past, as they were initially ready to go into uh, the promised land, and, uh, and uh, there were several f- the spies that were involved in the situation. As a matter of fact, let's look at uh, verse, uh, verse 28. Verse 28. Where can we go up? Our brothers have discouraged our hearts, saying, the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. They're looking at these big folks, these giant like people, and said, We can't take the land. God had already promised it to them. It's already yours. So what do you mean you can't you can't go up? God has already given it to you. So what do you mean you can't go forward? Either we believe the testimony of the adversary or we believe the testimony of God. Fear can enter through the opinions of others. Well, you know, uh, you you got to be careful because. When you do that, so and so will happen. You were okay until they opened their mouth. Right? Oh, you got to be careful uh, because you got to look at this, that, and the other, uh, else you. Uh, yeah. But then God says, just go ahead. Uh, Charles Stanley once said that uh, he was instructed that if God told him, to take his head and slam it into the brick wall uh, that he should do it. Because if God told him to do it, when you get ready to slam his head in the brick wall, that God would make a way in that, in that brick wall so he won't kill himself. Now, you got to know it's God. <laughs> right. Because if you slam your head in the brick wall and you fall out, everybody know you was listening to the devil. Sometimes we're initially okay with the decision until, again, that person comes along and gives us their uninspired opinion. I mean, we're fine until they came along and gave us their two cents about what they really thought about the situation. Is fear stopping you from accomplishing a goal uh, for which you've always wanted to do, but somehow you can't manage to bring yourself to pull it off? When the Lord speaks, then confidence and certainty are your strengths and not the underlying threat of fear. What did Paul tells Timothy, he says, God did not give us the spirit of fear, or power, love, sound mind, or discipline. Right? God didn't give you fear. If you are afraid, it's because you don't believe God. What do you do? What do you do now? So, what do you do? Trust God. Put your foot down. Turn and take your journey. Turn and take your journey. Again, Deuteronomy 1 7 and 8. Turn and take your journey. And go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain and the mountains and the lowland and the south and the sea coast, to the land of the Canaanites and to the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Right? So, so, so God had already promised it to them. It's time for them to turn, quit messing around and go ahead and get what God was given to. Them. When it's time to go, you got to get up and go. When will you stop fooling around and keep talking about what you're going to do? Ooh. Oh, I'm going to do this. You know what? It's just better if you just keep your mouth closed. <laughs> it is. Sometimes it's better just, and as a matter of fact, sometimes it's best that you keep your mouth closed uh, because uh, we need to keep our mouth closed uh, sometimes until Lord, the Lord brings us through. We don't need to be spouting out all of our spiritual business to immature uh, spiritual people. Right? Because some people don't know how to handle it. You tell the wrong person and they, instead of praying for you, they're going to be jealous of you. They're going to be jealous. So go in and possess the land. Because the Lord has already made a way for you. The promised land was a place that the Lord had prepared for Israel even before they were birthed as a nation. If your heart is aligned with the Lord, then you can feel confident that he has already prepared a place at the table for you. Sometimes we're so doubtful about ourselves that we fail to make that first step. Uh, If I take the first step, I I, I don't know what's going to happen. So we're paralyzed and then we end up retracting our foot. And then you say tomorrow. This is the day that the Lord has made you. They were instructed to turn and take their journey. When are you going to turn and take your journey? Frederick Douglass said on the prospect of no longer being in bondage to slavery, said this, and I quote, the intensity of my desire to be free, quickened by my favorable circumstances, brought me to the determination to as well as to think and to speak End quote in other words he wanted to be free so much he knew he, he could taste freedom it was like right there for him can't you taste that that, that God is just ready to bring you through But then Paul says to the Galatians in Galatians 5, uh, uh, verse 1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Some of you, aren't you tired of being slaves? Do you realize that Black folks in America have still spent more time in slavery than out of slavery? Don't act like a slave. Don't speak like a slave. Christ has made you free. It's time to move forward, never to return to the captivity of the past or the stuckness of the present. Brothers and sisters, it's time to turn and take your journey. It's time to turn and take your journey. Brothers and sisters, I called us the very beginning to repent. Some of you need to repent for your stagnation. That's what it was about. It's time to repent of your stagnation. Let's bow our heads, please.